Be sure to tune in to Tamina Talks Immigration with Tamina Watson this and every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Immigration attorney Tamina Watson founded Watson Immigration Law here in Seattle and is a frequent speaker, author, and blogger who has appeared in Forbes, CNN, The Seattle Times, and much more. On her radio show, Tamina will take all your questions live on air. Plus, she will discuss and provide insight into the latest immigration news and issues as well as talk with notable personalities who have impacted U.S. immigration laws or are notable immigrants themselves. Check out Tamina Talks Immigration Tuesdays at 10 a.m. on Daisy 1250 a.m., radio that listens to you. Good morning, Seattle. This is Tamina Watson on Desi 1250 AM on Tamina Talks Immigration and Immigration Only. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. It's Tuesday, uh, July 11th, 2017. We are here with an amazing guest. This is a Port Commissioner, Courtney Gregoire, who's here live. She's on Facebook Live. If you have tuned into the radio station at 1250 AM, please tell your friends and family we are simultaneously broadcasting on Facebook Live. Um, if you are in the U.S., thank you so much for joining us. If you're somewhere else in the world, welcome. And um, if you don't know anything about our commissioner here, you're going to learn a lot more. Um, if you have questions, the uh, st- studio number is 844-301-1250, 844-301-1250. And the um, email address here is contact at dc 1250am com. If you are new to the show, the show is all about immigration, news updates. Um, we talk to interesting people like Commissioner Gregoire here. Uh, we talk to immigrants who are inspiring and have made a difference to uh, various things that they have put their hands on. And of course, we have a Facebook page that's new. So I've been doing this show for about 18 months before I had a Facebook page. <laughs> and we have about 10,000 likes at the moment, wow. which is great. So please, um, if you have friends and family who don't know about the show please let them know and sign up to the Facebook page you can ask us questions find all old um, shows on it and so forth so um, if you've just tuned in this is Tamina Talks Immigration on Desi 1250 AM for news updates for our regular listeners and viewers you know that the International Entrepreneur Rule, which is the startup visa alternative, um, basically got delayed yesterday formally. And we have talked about this a lot. You know, I, this is all I you know, can think about often. And uh, it finally got delayed. And the writing is on the wall that it's going to be rescinded. A very, very sad day, but yesterday was a very busy day for me because I was talking about it everywhere. So if you are in Seattle, pick up a copy of the Seattle Times. You'll find me on the front page somewhere talking about this issue. But this week, please pick up, um, uh, look online for Wired Magazine, if you haven't heard NPR yet, which is a local, um, uh, KUOW is a local NPR station. Um, Tune into that. Uh, There might be a recording of what I said there. And I should be in the Wall Street Journal sometime this week as well so if you have seen these articles please post them to the Facebook page I have not seen them yet but would love your thoughts and if you are in Seattle um, sometime this week I will be on King 5 a local TV channel with one of my clients if you are not in Seattle, it's totally okay. Online will allow you to watch it. It's king5.com. So if you're outside the US, please tune in. And if you find anything that I haven't posted, please post it because I may not have enough time. Uh, but the International Entrepreneur Rule, we'll have a separate show on it sometime very soon. Um, but if you have questions, comments, info at watsonimmigrationlaw.com is where you will be able to get hold of me. If you've just tuned in, this is Tamina Watson on Desi 1250 AM. Thank you so much for joining us. So. 
this is our wonderful, wonderful guest, a Port Commissioner uh, Courtney Gregoire. Before I start speaking with her, I do want you to know a little bit more about her. So, Courtney Gregoire was first elected to the Port of Seattle Commission in 2013 and was re-elected in 2015. Courtney works as a senior attorney for Microsoft's Digital Crimes Unit, where she fights technology-facilitated crime against vulnerable populations, including children and the elderly. Commissioner Gregoire's priorities include growing our regional economy, expanding international trade and tourism, and protecting our shared natural environment. These priorities reflect Courtney's long-standing commitment to helping communities generate broadly shared prosperity. Before returning home to Washington State, Courtney spent 10 years working in Washington, D.C. in senior levels in both the legislative and executive branches, including as director of the National Export Initiative for President Obama and deputy chief of staff for the U.S. Department of Commerce. She participated in the U.S.-China Legal Exchange and the U.S.-China Joint Commission on Commerce and Trade, the primary forum for addressing bilateral trade matters and promoting commercial opportunities between United States and China. She graduated from Willamette University and received her law degree from Harvard Law School. She currently lives in Seattle with her husband, Scott Lindsay, and their two young daughters. Welcome, Commissioner. Thank, Thank you. you. In your young life, I cannot <laughs> believe the things I had to say here. No. How did you fit it in? Um, you know, uh, it is great to be here, Thank and uh, it is such a, an opportunity to talk about some pressing issues that are happening to us. Um, I uh, was fortunate to have a hankering to get to D.C. straight out of college. That was the right time to be in D.C., of let course. me just be perfectly clear. <laughs> <I'm> sure. Uh, <coughs> um, but this has always been home, and so after a great career in um, D.C., a uh, pleasure serving President Obama, Working for Senator Maria Cantwell. Can only imagine. Yeah, um, at, you know this is home, and so uh, my husband and I met in D.C. Oh. But he's a proud Seattleite, so huh. there was a, a lot of work to get home here and raise wow. our two girls here. Well, Washington State is lucky to have you and your husband. Thank so you. thanks thank for you. everything you do. Well, you know we won't have a lot of time left before we get to speak to get to all the things I want to speak to. So I'm going to dive into it. Yeah. We have, um, you know. You are doing a lot, but this show is only about immigration, so we're going to only touch on immigration issues. And to say the least, it's been an interesting year. Have you had to deal with immigration in the way you've had to deal with it this year in the past? So, you know, what's interesting, um, you know, that I wanted to share, uh, I'm a commissioner for the Port of Seattle. So your, your, your listeners might be sitting here saying, why does the Port of Seattle get involved in immigration issues? Um, and the truth of the matter is we're charged as a government agency of really the mission is to provide widespread economic opportunity. And so core to that, in my view, is about, um, if we're gonna provide opportunity for all, then we should be ensuring everyone is afforded equal protection. Um, and then if you think about the assets at the Port of Seattle, we're running cruise terminals, we're running an airport, we are the gateway for international travelers uh, coming into our region, and we want them to know that there is a welcome mat there. We want them to come and thrive and participate in our region. And at the same time, uh, the port uh, really respects that the immigrants are the backbone of our economy. If you think about our container terminals, if you think about what we're moving in terms of exports out of the state of Washington, uh, around the globe, uh, think about the backbone of our agricultural products, mm -hmm. our tech industry, our global health. Um, these are, are really uh, a core to our values at the port. And so uh, when we were kind of 
thrown into the center of this in January when this administration implemented a travel ban with no notice whatsoever. Mm -hmm. um, the values had always been there, but it was the time to step up and say, what does this mean in practicality for how we're going to operate our, our port and our airport? You know, I love what you just said because the Port of Seattle but Washington State as a whole is really just uh, uh, an example of what immigration is. We have each one of these industries. Now, I just want to dive into what happened yeah. that day and how it happened. You know, our listeners and viewers will probably be wondering, you know, everyone's got a different perspective on what happened, but you were there at the heart of what was going on. So let's just have it. You yeah. know, tell us. Yeah, you know, um, Gosh, I, I remember this very, very distinctly. It was Saturday, January 27th. I woke up, um, a typical kind of uh, toddler woke me up at about 5.30, 5.45, and I'm reading the New York Times, um, and I'm reading a little bit about uh, what has happened because the president issued an executive order, uh, the travel ban infamous order, uh, at midnight on a Friday. What did that mean for East Coast airports? Um, and a light bulb went off. Oh my goodness, we've got a couple hours here before SeaTac Airport is going to be experiencing exactly the same thing. So this was at 4 a.m., you're thinking? I, I, think, she, I think my girls gave me 5.30 that morning. I think <laughs> I got a little time. Uh, good, good sleep in. Yes. Um, uh, um, my husband and I are sitting there drinking our coffee and saying, we got to get down to the airport and understand what's happening on the ground. And uh, so first credit to my sister and her husband for showing up as last minute babysitters. My husband and I jumped in the car. I'm immediately calling our head of security at the airport and asking for a briefing for our Customs and Border Protection when I arrive at the airport. But then, to me, I knew it was going to need to be an all hands on deck. So that, that short car ride where my husband's driving, I call my fellow commissioners. I call our, our governor. I call our lieutenant governor. I call our federal delegation to explain to them, I don't know what's going on, but if you see what's happening on the East Coast, we know we got direct flights coming in from Emirates. We got direct flights coming in from Europe and Asia. We are going to have impacted travelers. So uh, got on the ground, and um, uh, one of the important phone calls I'd made was to US, former U.S. Attorney Jenny Durkin said, if there's someone I want by my side fighting the federal government, I, I need your help. She said, I'll be there in 30 minutes, no questions asked. Uh, another important call was to the Northwest Immigrant Rights Project. Um, and while many of my phone calls were to people saying, can you meet me at the airport? Let's get there. Jorge, of course, answers the phone and goes, I'm here. Where do I find you? <laughs> um, and so- What time was this? Th this is probably about 9, 30, 10 a.m. Okay. on that Saturday. And um, first thing I did is sit down with Customs and Border Protection. And I learned, first and foremost, they were handed an executive order with no language about implementation. So think about this. Mm -hmm. Our frontline Customs and Border Protection folks, those folks that you hand your passport and your visa to when you're arriving at SeaTac Airport, have the language of an executive order, very poorly written, mm -hmm. just so we're perfectly clear, as the lawyer in me has to say, mm -hmm. and nothing else. Mm -hmm. And um, these are members of our community who are struggling with what does this mean and what is their, what are they supposed to be doing? Um, the Customs and Border Protection team briefs that Yes, there are going to be impacted travelers. Um, their plan is that they will stay in processing and they will figure out what happens next. I say, okay, how are you notifying family and friends about what's going on? And the answer is, we're trying to find the family and friends. I went out and said to my husband and some staff, hey, I think you should go down to the baggage claim and see who's in distress. Mm -hmm. um, and my husband, Scott Lindsay, is the person who found the Somali family that was the first family we knew who was impacted. Mm. They've been waiting for four hours. Um, uh, it was uh, about six members of the family, including the wife, mm. um, waiting for their loved one who was supposed to be arriving from Vienna. 
Um, we brought them up. We brought them into a confidential um, conference room. And when they showed me, and of course, you know this, if you're worried about your loved one who's entering the U.S., you've got a copy of that visa on mm -hmm. your mm -hmm. smartphone. You've got everything. Mm -hmm. So I'm looking at clear documents that indicate this individual uh, had the paperwork to enter our, our country. Mm -hmm. And uh, I asked CBP to come explain where their where their loved one is, and um, that's at that moment I learned he'd been rebooked and it was already on a flight back oh, to goodness. Vienna. Oh goodness! And um, family was very distressed. Mm -hmm. uh, individual um, uh, uh, had experienced um, uh, challenging, challenging experiences in his mm -hmm. home country. Didn't know where he was going to land. Didn't mm. know what this meant. They had not been able to communicate with him. Mm. Um, so we immediately connected that family with some lawyers who were right there standing by to provide them some counsel. Um, and then I went back and said, okay, what's gonna happen next? This did not work. How are we gonna understand what's going on? Communication lines got strained. Um, and I do not put this on our frontline Customs Border Protection folks here. They were doing their job. They got from headquarters and this administration, don't talk to anyone. Um, and the way that I was able to find information was to say, what is the operation information? Who's being rebooked on flights? So let me fast. How do you find that? Um, I uh, uh, asked our operations team. I see. Um, can you tell me who's being rebooked on our Emirates flight at 510? Mm. Being aware of what flights were going back to the region, I said that's the information I need to know. Um, but in the meantime, um, our federal delegation has shown up. Um, our community is showing up. And so we have a press conference um, at about 1 or 2 o'clock, and I'm, I'm struggling. The day becomes a little bit of a, a blur. Um, and that's when, you know, we stood up as a community and said, this is not keeping with our values. We are a welcoming community. We want these people to be able to, to come here. We want them treated with respect. Um, and uh, you, if you saw that press conference, um, there were great, great words. Uh, I have to sneak out the back because I get a text message that says, I got that information you requested, Commissioner. And so uh, while that press conference keeps going, I run out the door and we learn that two people have been rebooked on a 510 flight on Emirates. What time was that? At the um, that's probably 3.30. Okay. Uh, um, I know my time is constrained <laughs> here. Yeah. Um, and I walk out and I've got the boiler room of lawyers there ready to standing by and I say, you got to go into action. We're going to need uh, legal action to ensure we can get these individuals off the flight and to continue. Um, they say, I need names. I say, no, you don't. Uh, file this as a John Doe. I'll, I'll sign the declaration. As a commissioner, I know um, that, that if they've arrived here and been starting processing, they had paperwork and have reason to believe they deserve a day in court. Um, and I do a little John Doe litigation at Microsoft when we've got folks uh, on the internet uh, harming children and the elderly and we can't get their identity, so why don't we do this as a John Doe? And that's where the nonprofit lawyers, the Northwest Immigrants Rights Project, working with the ACLU, jumped into action where Jenny Durkin picked up the phone and called the federal judge where we knew this was going to be and said, we need you. I don't know where you are. Probably at home. It's a Saturday. you got to be looking at these, this paperwork that's coming. We're going to need an emergency stay. I'm going to interrupt you for just a second. Yeah. I did a presentation at the Federal Bar Association, and the judge who helped relayed the story from his perspective. And it was just so amazing to hear, because that evening you had the Northwest Immigrants Rights Project Gala, yeah. where we had Jorge's perspective of what happened. I feel like that day I could have written a movie about it, because I got the perspective of each of those judges, because none of the judges were available. It was a Saturday. Right. Right. We were lucky to have one. Correct, correct. And uh, very lucky to have one. Lucky to have a team there on the ground who knew how to get in contact with the federal judge. Right. You know, it's one of those moments where you say, God, all your lawyer instincts are click, kick, kicking in. You need to make sure you're putting this together. Time is of the essence. Um, so we're filing. 
we're waiting for the judge to get the documents, and I realize, you know, abort, that, that plane is boarding. Um, and so uh, uh, Jorge and I, um, with the, uh, uh, an escort of one of our, our airport staff, run out to the gate. S-16, we're sitting at the gate, and two Customs and Border Protection agents start walking back off the, uh, the, the jet bridge, and the plane is detached from the jet oh bridge. Oh, my gosh. And um, Jorge immediately uh, uh, kicks into gear, tells those two Customs and Border Protection agents, I'm here to represent two individuals that are on that flight. They deserve their day and, and access to a lawyer. Let's get them off and the flight can continue on their way. And these two uh, agents don't know how to respond. Um, but we immediately uh, step into gear. And, and I, uh, I am happy to tell you um, that I said, that's it, we're not that plane's going to stay here while we figure this out. Federal judge is telling us, I need the time to figure this out. And the federal judge is telling us, keep the status quo. So, and what uh, does that mean to so somebody who doesn't know what that means? And then to me, <laughs> and I guess this is truth of the matter, mm -hmm. is I got to give you my opinion about mm -hmm. what that meant. That meant don't let that flight mm -hmm. take off. Mm -hmm. We got to keep the status quo so that those individuals can get access to a lawyer. And so um, when staff asked me directly, um, uh, do I give the order to the radio tower commissioner? I said, yes. That plane's going to stay here while we hear from this judge. And we worked with CBP, and they, they got the, uh, the, the information that says those two individuals deserve to get back off the flight. Let me fast forward, because mm -hmm. um, that did not mean they immediately got access to a lawyer. That's several mm -hmm. hours later. But those are two individuals, one who was trying to visit family in the Kent Valley, the other who was trying to attend an engineering conference in Las Vegas. Um, because he's an engineer who's going to be working on the World Cup stadiums. Oh my gosh. Um, and so uh, what I'm really proud to say, and we're the only airport that can say this, um, is that two individuals got off a plane and were able to go on with their travels. And the following Monday, when Mr. Robbie was able to come back um, from Vienna because of the legal connections mm -hmm. we've made and working with this governor's office and every elected official who mm -hmm. wanted to help here um, was able to be embraced by his family. That was a good day mm -hmm. to say everyone who was impacted because of an arbitrary, capricious uh, and, and discriminatory action um, that was uh, that had no guidance as to be implemented. We took the steps to, to, to high five. Hey, high hey. five. Thank you are like a superhero. Well, it's a team. It was and a team. You know it's always a team. It's, 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 nothing is not, you know, everything has to be a team. Yeah. But you were one of the leaders in it. If you were not there, the team would have fallen apart. So thank you for stepping up for what you did, because that was the beginning of the stays that we actually got. And, and, and you know, throughout the country. Yep. So that was totally amazing. Now, we don't have a lot of time. I would love to continue hearing that story. But what has happened since? Because, yes. you know, there was Travel Band 2, and now we have 3. What's been going on so listeners are aware? Yeah, so so you hit the nail on the head. I um, uh, That was understanding the facts as to how it happened, which were really important for some of the legal challenges, mm -hmm. right? Um, but um, as you know, that travel ban was struck down. Mm -hmm. uh, administration came up with travel ban 2. That is pending in the courts. And now we've got the Supreme Court saying a, a limited implementation while we <clears throat> await mm -hmm. uh, a, a Supreme Court, a day in court. Um, the, the limited implementation um, did give the direction that it's the State Department, the consulate officer's responsibility when someone's coming to apply for the visa to ask the questions to determine whether it's consistent with this administration. Um, that means there should be much less chaos at our airports. 
um, that means it's not that an individual discretion of the CBP officer. Now, you and I both know that there's discretion in the system everywhere. Mm -hmm. And so, um, although we've listened and we've heard that this is about how the State Department will implement this when the consulate officer having the interview, we're very sensitive to what's going on at the ground at the airport to this day. So, you know, we continue to provide um, lawyers access to individuals that might be impacted. We've got space at our airport. Um, we continue to try to have an open dialogue mm -hmm. with Customs and Border Protection who have, uh, you know, that relationship and that communication has been strained. Mm -hmm. But we want to understand why people are in processing for mm -hmm. four, five, sometimes ten hours. And so that's still happening. And that's still happening. So I want to take a moment here to let our listeners and viewers know airportlawyer.org is a website where people who are traveling, if you have friends and family traveling, you can go to the website, put your information in, and uh, it will be connecting you to a uh, volunteer immigration lawyer who will then perhaps be in touch with somebody from your team that will help somebody who might be stuck in secondary. Very, very important website, and I'm proud to say that I was part of the, the team that made that happen. Um, and hopefully sometime in the near future, I'll have the whole team on the show, mm -hmm. um, which, which will be fun. So right now, viewers and listeners need to know that there is still delays that are happening at secondary. Yes. If that does happen, um, Airport Lawyer could connect them. Uh, would they have contact with you or somebody from your team? They, so um, uh, it is a limited information because CBP, um, they are in as you know they have not yet legally entered the country right um, and so in uh, in in this special unique situation we treat that as federal government property not airport property but we can we are absolutely in contact our security team wants to know when um, our, our lawyers understand that someone has been delayed and hasn't been completely processed and, and allowed to enter our country very good to know. You know, just out of curiosity, uh, you mentioned you started the conversation out with um, basically um, New York. Mm -hmm. And have you have you had c contact with people outside of Seattle? Are you discussing these issues with other commissioners and how they're handling it? Yeah, so we have, um, particularly as the Supreme Court uh, mm -hmm. uh, um, uh, hearing proceeds, uh, we've been talking about the unique experience of being airports and what we've known and seen on the ground and how we can um, uh, potentially consider whether an amicus brief would be helpful to oh, the good. process. You may know that we've mm -hmm. participated by filing declarations in the Ninth Circuit proceedings, etc. but to us it would be really meaningful if we were co collaborating with New York and Chicago and others who had impacts. Um, and this goes back to the beginning of what I said, right? Um, if people here are wondering, why does this matter? It matters to our fundamental economy. Um, it matters to uh, my day job at Microsoft. Right. It matters to our agricultural products. It matters to our healthcare industry, our universities. And so I do think airports have a unique perspective here. And we're trying to determine together collectively how we send that message. Um, don't have a lot of time, but I could talk to you all day. <laughs> uh, there Has the guidance come down for refugees? It was supposed to come down recently, and I haven't paid attention. I have not seen it yet. And I so, seen it. Um, I'm actually, today is my commission day. I'll yes. be over and getting my executive session briefing from our lawyers as to um, a couple other mm -hmm. initiatives we've got going at the airport to make okay. sure people are aware of their rights. Okay. Um, so I'll be checking yeah. in there, too. Yeah, I haven't seen it. So my guess is that if you haven't seen it and I haven't seen it, I'm it probably isn't with, it. That's right. It's not yet <laughs> there. But, you know, uh, if, if there is something that is of concern, uh, what can listeners, viewers do? You know, um, can I, I, I failed to tell you one of the most important parts oh, please, of that day. Oh, please, please, please do. Uh, we have like uh, one minute and almost just under two minutes. And that's when 2,500 people from our community showed up yes. at the airport. And, and, and I need to say something from an operator perspective. It's not the best place to have a protest. And we won't, <coughs> um, and that will be a challenge going forward. 
But that day, those voices were heard um, by the members of our traveling public, by our community, by our electeds, and that message was loud and clear. I will tell you, next time, let's make sure we're doing it at the federal detention centers and at the federal courthouse. Very important to note, <laughs> but uh, I need the community to understand. Um, when Mr. Ravi got back, he knew how many people had stood up for him. Oh, he felt great that he was walking back into a community that was embracing him with open arms. That message is really, really important. You've also said, to me, the community needs to talk. Mm -hmm. The community needs to be sharing um, how they ensure when loved ones are coming and traveling or uh, that they have access to lawyers, that they're protecting and taking care of, and that they're telling their electeds about their experience. Because it's really going to be our federal delegation asking questions, our locals asking questions. Got it. Well, Commissioner Gregoire, thank you for everything that you've done and continue to do and continue to, you will be doing. Um, very, very grateful. Well, thank you to you Yo. for everything you're doing. Well, thank you. You know, we only have about 20 seconds left. A huge, huge thank you to Courtney Gregoire, Commissioner for Port of Seattle, for being here. If you have questions, comments, you can always let us know by our Facebook page. And I can definitely pass on any message if you want to send that to her. Um, thank you so much for joining us today. We will see you bright and early next Tuesday. Bye-bye for now. Bye. Bye.